Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, Merry Krima, Merry Krima, Merry, Merry Krima, huh? It's Christmas time, and it's good to see you all here. We praise God for you. Today, we are going to be looking at the classic passage in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. Now, I know many of you don't bring physical Bibles, but if you did have one, that's where we're going to spend most of our time, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, very classic passage. It is where the angel comes, and he makes an announcement to shepherds. And when the angel comes down, then there is another moment where a host of angels come and they begin to sing. And so you have an announcement and you have a praise. And I wonder what it is they were singing about. And whatever they were singing about, I think we ought to think about. Because the angels spend all their time in heaven, and they came down on earth. The angels, in many ways, are like ambassadors of heaven. They have this experience in heaven all day. Then they come down on earth, and they begin to sing. And We ought to look at what that song is, because that song can give us some indication about the greatness of this Jesus they were singing to. Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. It says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, the they they're talking about, and the them they're talking about, is the shepherds. But what it says is, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. So here in this announcement, he just simply tells you, who Jesus is. He's Christ the Lord. Then he says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And so there, this one angel amongst a bunch of shepherds who are just doing their job, they weren't looking for angels and they weren't necessarily looking for the Messiah. They were just doing their job late at night. All of a sudden, an angel out of nowhere says, this is what the Messiah looks like. This is where he'll be. So this is purely an announcement. Well, once that announcement is made, then something happens. The Bible says, verse 13, in the next part, and suddenly there was with the angel 
a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. So in that very moment, what eventually happens is we see their angels and it says heavenly hosts, meaning a multitude of angels. There was one angel making the announcements, but once praise began, it says all these heavenly hosts came and come down. Now, what is it that sparked them? Well, it was probably the announcement that just sparked them to praise. And they're up in heaven all day. And I'd like to know what this song was that they sang. What was so powerful that they felt like they needed to come down out of heaven and sing about? And it says, the other part of verse 13, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's the song they sang. Well, they said glory to God in the highest, and we understand that we give God glory, but I want you to notice something. That in this song, they never said the name Jesus. Secondarily, they were not in front of Jesus at this time. They were so blown away about what earth was about to experience that they came out of heaven and they, they praised Jesus' attribute. Not even saying the name of Jesus, but they praised this one attribute about Jesus. Peace. Essentially what the angels were saying is, y'all are about to experience the most dynamic, transformative, comprehensive, multi-dimensional peace that you've ever experienced. And they felt it was so powerful that they came out of heaven. There was something about peace that they felt like they ought to come out of heaven and sing to people about it. Now, I know that all of us in this room are very, very safe people. And I know that this analogy won't hit, but there was a time, again, this won't be able to touch your heart, but just work with me. Sometimes in the club, um, sometimes, <laughs> listen, I know you, don't, you won't get it, but sometimes in a club, there'll be a song that everyone loves. Like there'll be, you feel me? Like there'll be a song that everybody's like kind of feeling, and then there'll be like one song that everybody feels like Frankie Beverly will come on. And it's just like, before I let, and everybody's just like, and now grandma's on the floor, and everybody starts everybody hits the floor for this one song. And, and you got that one girl that goes, that's my jam. And everybody just, everybody rushes to the stage for that one song because there's something about that song that makes people move. And there was something about this song that made angels not move from the seat to the floor, but it made them move from heaven to earth. There was something about this song that they felt a whole multitude needed to come down and begin to praise Jesus about, not even the name Jesus, the attribute of Jesus. They said, y'all, y'all about to experience some peace. You ain't I'm talking about the peace we see in heaven every day. Y'all are about to experience that on earth. Peace on earth. It made the angels come down to earth and sing. And I believe that if this was the song they, they 
we're so blown away by. I think we should know more about that peace. Amen? I want to experience the peace that the angels sing about. I want the peace of God, the peace of heaven, the multidimensional, transformative, and dynamic, comprehensive peace of God to be not just on earth, but in my life. Amen? I wonder if that's you. That you want this Christmas more than any other gift, the peace of God. We must understand that the peace that they're talking about is not the kind of peace that we normally speak about when we talk about peace. It is our tendency to think of peace as the absence of tension. We think of peace as tranquility. We think of peace as the cessation of hostility. In other words, I don't got no problems. Therefore, I have peace. But the peace that they're talking about here is rooted in the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is a much more dynamic word than just saying there's no tension. This kind of peace that he speaks about is indicating that when God created the earth and when he created all things on the earth, he created them to be not only beautiful, not only powerful, but he created them to be harmonious. That they would be knitted together, woven together, operating together in harmony. And that the absence of peace would be chaos. And so things have to move together in the same way in order to experience the transformative and dynamic peace of God. The same way that when it rains, vegetation grows. When the vegetation grows, the animals eat, all things working together. But when there is a drought, there's no vegetation. The animals die. There's chaos. Harmony, harmoniously then. Peace would be this harmonious presentation, this representation of how God can operate and move in the life of a believer as well. Jesus offers us holistic peace. Peace in such a way that there's harmony in our lives. And just like there are many moving parts in order for peace on earth physically, there are moving parts for us for peace emotionally and socially. But the most dynamic peace that we must experience is peace in three different relationships. It is the peace that we have with God. It is also the peace that we have within ourselves. And lastly, the peace that we have with others. All of these elements of peace have to be working together in order for us to experience the kind of peace that the angels were singing about. This peace is what we truly want. So we can even say that there are three pieces of peace. And if you only have one piece, then you don't have full peace. You don't have the peace that he offers or the peace that he intends.
Now, part of our problem as people is we have a tendency to want peace on earth. Doesn't that sound awesome? Peace on earth. No more wars. But we could want peace on earth, but at the same time, we don't have peace within. We want peace out there, but some, you know, there are some of us that have an uncomfortable relationship with ourselves. You have a, a difficult relationship with you. So you want you want all, you, you know, you, you're fighting for peace out there in the world, but they don't have peace in your own world. And if you fight for peace out there, but you don't have peace in here, you only have a piece of the peace he tends to offer. It is holistic, comprehensive, and dynamic peace he offers to us. But he not only tells us to be having peace within us and having peace around us, but he he encourages us, we're going to see, to be peacemakers so that we would offer peace to the world and that peace would flow through us so much so that people would experience the peace of God in our lives. You'd have so much peace that it would blow people away. And if you only have a third of that, where you have peace with others, but you don't have peace inside of you. You have peace inside of you, but you don't have peace with other people. Or if you have peace because you've got this tranquil life, but you don't have peace with God, you are not experiencing the peace that the angels were singing about, the comprehensive, multidimensional, dynamic peace. And that peace changes the world. My daughter, Leah, she is one of those kids that no matter how much you fed her, always wants what you're eating. Praise God. <laughs> Every time. Like we just fed you. And so sometimes I will be here at the church later than my family. And so I'll get home and I might pick up something to eat. And I know because I see every, I see all the money going out of my account. I know we fed you. And I'll get home and I'll be eating and she'll always say, can I have a piece? And I've learned something in all her years of life. I've learned something about her. She never means she wants one piece. She always wants the whole thing. Always. And I want to tell you that some of you came in here tonight because you just want peace with your family. But you just want a piece of that peace. And if you only get one piece of that peace, you don't have all the peace. See, you really want the whole thing. You want all that peace. See, you want peace from God. You want peace within you. And you want peace with others. You want the whole thing in actuality. And tonight he offers that to you. Amen? So we must understand peace with God. Look back in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So what you uh, immediately might notice if you've 
sang songs with this in it, or if you grew up in church, or if you just listened to the Hallmark Channel on, on Christmas, any of these things, you have heard some rendition of this verse. And so the King James, we have to understand, makes one uh, minor distinction here. The King James would say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now, the reason why that is a distinctive is because in the Greek, they would consider that the genitive, the last part there, why the ESV and other more updated versions talk about those in whom he's pleased versus goodwill towards men. Basically, without getting into a long discussion about ancient Greek, um, the, the point is, is that there is a possessive idea happening there. In other words, in the more updated versions, it shows how it's really speaking of an exclusive group, not just peace generally on earth. Now, some of you might say, well, I don't agree with that. We need to keep it the way it is. That's fine. Um, and I would agree that Jesus's entry into the world has caused goodwill to all men. Um, Christians have uh, made hospitals, amen, and Christians have done great things in the world. But uh, I would also note that Christians have done some pretty horrible things. Even this year, Christians have done some horrible things. In fact, I think we could look over the last two years and know peace is just not on earth, right? Um, so we have problems, and we have wars and rumors of wars. We have all types of problems. So if that is your rendering of the text, then I can just tell you if that's what Jesus wants to do, it's not working because peace is just not on earth because Jesus exists. But I believe that this more updated version in the ESV and other versions show us that it is for those whom he's pleased. Now, the question then becomes, who's he pleased with? Because it says, peace is on earth for those who he's pleased with. Paul the Apostle will expound on this idea in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. He says it this way. He says, watch this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is now identifying the exclusive group that the angels were singing about with whom he is pleased. Paul would say those whom he's pleased with are those who have been justified by faith. That is... Someone who has accepted Christ in their life for their sins. And therefore, the peace happens because the hostility has ended. One of the things that it may be difficult for people to understand is that this verse is talking about a kind of peace that had hostility that preceded it. If you only read this as having God having goodwill, then you may not understand that before the goodwill, there was ill will. You see, the hostility that we've had with God is based upon our desire to live our own life and do our own thing. And most people would not say, I'm mad at God, right? Most people would not presume they have any hostility towards God. But what I have found is 
when we talk about peace and harmony, you either have harmony where things are working together or you have hostility where things are not working congruently. But the way that we have uh, hostility with God is not shaking our fist up at God. We don't just yell and say no. We don't even just openly say, no, I won't do what you want me to do. Our hostility to God is much more nuanced. Our hostility with God is based upon the fact that we like to have a selective relationship with God. Oh, we love, we love what the Bible says about love, don't we? It's just like, Pastor, when you do my wedding, can we do 1 Corinthians 13? I love that verse. I love that verse. It's so good. It's like patience and kindness. I love that verse. Where is that verse? I'm like, 1 Corinthians 13. They're like, yes, yes. Then I'll be like doing premarital with them, and I'll be like, so let's, let's talk about like, you know, sexual relations. Like, you guys are trying to remain pure, right? They're like, well, the Bible is ancient, and uh, I don't know if I agree with that part. I'm like, that is in the same book. Just go a few chapters earlier. It's the same book, you know? It's funny how Paul is canceled when it's my life, but we subscribe to him when it's my wedding, right? So it's, it's a selective relationship. I, I love, I love what Paul says about the poor. Get them, get them, get them, Jesus. Just come, just come at the poor, Jesus. Just get them. But then when it comes to my money, it's just like, I don't know if my money and my bank account is set up like that for Jesus to be invading it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. And what I'm saying is, Jesus is Lord of the hard parts. The things that you would not select. He's Lord when you're doing things you wouldn't do. Things that you wouldn't say. He is Lord because he directs your life. And he becomes Lord of your relationships, Lord of your heart, Lord of your mind, Lord of your finances. And so the question tonight isn't, do you have a selective relationship with God? The question is, do you have a surrendered relationship with God? Are you surrendered? Because surrendered is the opposite of hostility. Surrendered means that I give you leadership over all things in my life. Surrendered means that I follow you and you are my agenda and you are my priority. Surrendered. And this, for some people, does not hit in their hearts because they've said, I have no hostility with God. I don't have a problem with God. Have you considered he might have a problem with you? That Christ didn't die because he was a good man. Christ didn't die because he was a miracle worker. Christ died for sins of mine and yours. And that tells you the depth of the punishment. It indicates the intensity of his holiness. That he will by no means clear the guilty. Oh, peace with God. It's not just a feeling, it's a fact. 
that you are in a right relationship with God. And the only way we can be sure that you are in a right relationship is when you have fully surrendered your life and you have decided, I will follow you in all things, through all things, because you are Lord. Amen? Oh, if you don't have the peace of God tonight, you're missing out on what the angels sang about. You're missing out on the transformative, dynamic, multidimensional, comprehensive peace of God. That he would follow you and, and carry you throughout all of life with that peace. But you first must know you have peace with God. But peace with God, it paves the way for peace with others. Or rather, peace within. The Bible we see not only chronicles the life of Jesus when he was a baby and they sang to him, but we see also that Jesus became a man and he talked about his peace. He talked about the peace that the angels sang about. He says in John 14, this is towards the end of his life. The angels sang at the beginning. This is towards the end, John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. One of the things that I love about this passage is Jesus says, I'm about to go but I want to leave you with peace. But one of the things that you have to understand, now we'll look at the text. He says, peace I leave with you. Then he makes an indication. He says, my peace I give to you. So what you have to understand is Jesus in this text is not saying, you don't have peace? Well, I'll just give you some peace, like turning water into wine or like making a miracle. You want peace? Bam, I'll give you peace. He's not talking about creating peace in you. He's talking about sharing the peace he already has. My peace I give to you. This is a shared peace. You are experiencing the peace of Christ, the same kind of peace he has in heaven, the same kind of peace that the angels sang about, the same kind of peace he has with his father, that kind of peace. And because the disciples were troubled with his death, his impending death, they're in their minds, they can't understand this peace. So he says, it's, it's my peace, it's different. So he clarifies, he says, I'm not talking about the kind of peace that the world gives you talking about the exclusive kind of peace that I give. He contrasts a different kind of peace from the world, a counterfeit peace, as you would, a peace that is circumstantial, a peace that, yes, your heart has some peace when you know that some of your troubles have gone away. Health insurance certainly provides some peace. A retirement account, amen. That is some peace. Flood protection, praise God. That's some peace. Vaccinations cause peace. Isolating yourself causes peace. The kind of peace knowing that you will be okay. But once 
one of those circumstantial elements get taken away, there goes your peace. When your peace is given to you by circumstance, it will also be taken by the same circumstance that it gave. You see, you have to understand, the angels sung about the peace. Watch this. The angels sung about the peace of Jesus while Jesus was being born in a manger. Jesus was being born in an animal trough. Jesus was being, Jesus' life was nothing about his circumstances would make you think about peace. Nothing about his life would make you think king of kings. Nothing about his life would make you think he has it all together, the shalom of God. And yet the angels came from heaven and sung about his peace while he had nothing. It is an indication that his peace is transcendent of circumstances. He's saying you might get caught with a counterfeit peace, vacation peace, money peace, Boo peace. <laughs> New things can't make you happy. And this world is trying to seduce you to new things. Because you, you already know that every advertiser and every marketer is attacking your heart on a daily basis just to try to get you to think the new thing will make you have peace. And so I want you to access that peace because it's yours. Look, at he says, I give it to you. So it's yours already. The peace of God is yours right now. It's just a matter of accessing the peace of God. So how do we access it? Paul the Apostle picks up on this. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. He tells us, well, it's, it's yours in Christ but you've got to access it. When you look at what the apostle says, he essentially says, if you begin to have a prayer life, watch what he says, in everything. So if you begin to have a consistent prayer life, in other words, if you begin to have fluid communication in the throne room with God, you'll experience peace. But he says there's a specific kind of way that it's accessed. He says it's through supplication and thanksgiving. Supplication, listen, supplication is when you have specific requests that you give to God. And thanksgiving is when your heart is filled with gratitude, not only for what he's done, but for what he will do. And that combination, he's saying, over time produces a peace that explodes in your heart. Supplication is so vitally important because far too often we pray in general, oh, Lord, help my mama. Well, does she have cancer? Okay, we'll pray for the cancer. When's her doctor's appointment? We'll pray for the doctor's appointment. When does she get out? Pray for her on the way back. Pray specifically because it is when you pray specifically. See, when you go to the therapist, you get specific. 
When you talk to your friends, you talk specifically. But when you talk to God, if you talk to him in general, you are not giving him the same access and power that you do humans. Give him the specific request. Be detailed. And then what ends up happening is, and let me just tell you, for you, for some of you, there are people inside haunting your mind right now. I mean, they hang out there. I mean, you know, you know that phrase, they, they've taken up residency, they live rent-free in your mind? But they can be evicted when you start naming them. When, when you start, I'm, I'm telling you, when you start naming people who have been just living in your brain, and you just start saying their name. And then you just, start, you just start praying over them and you start praying God to heal you because of whatever has happened, whatever in the past has happened. What ends up happening is as you move out of supplication and then you move into thanksgiving and you just are so thankful for who God is and you're so, you're so grateful for what he's done in your life. What it does is it shrinks those people in those situations down and it magnifies God. Because I don't care how big of a Christian you are. If you do not have a consistent prayer life, circumstances will be bigger in your heart than the Lord himself. It will, they will take up more residency. If you find yourself, you, you talk more about challenges and circumstances than you do talk to God himself. You will never experience that peace. And so what he says is, pray specifically, pray with gratitude. And he says, the peace of God. He says, it does something, it surpasses all understanding. You know, it's amazing what happens in our hearts. I want you to think about this year. I want you to think about a moment this year where it just really rocked you. I mean, it just blindsided you. I mean, you weren't ready for it, okay? I mean, it just took you out. Or last year, too, because isn't this all the same year? Praise God. Anyway, um, okay, it just took you out. You weren't ready. A, a friend, a family member, a diagnosis, right? Just something you were not prepared for, like, goodness gracious. Whenever we have our peace disturbed, in our soul, there's all these emotions competing to be in the lead. In many ways, there's like a, an emotional competition happening. Who is going to lead? Who's in first place emotionally? And in this competition, we'll call it the Seoul Olympics. <laughs> Anyway, um, in this competition, in our hearts, there's all these different emotions competing like a race. You know, there's bitterness. You ever see the, in the Olympics, they put the camera on people? You ever see that? They put them on it. Anybody ever see that? Praise God. Okay, thank you. Amen. Thank you. This is the call and response section of the sermon. Um, and, you know, they look over at him and, you know, imagine this in the soul. This camera pans over and there 
is bitterness. Bitterness looking at the camera like, yeah, I'm about to win this thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to do this. I'm about to look at you in the camera. And then there's resentment. And resentment's just, just like this. Like, yeah, you know what it is. And then there's rage. And rage just looks at the camera like, yeah, and they're just like, I'm about to go off. And then there's understanding. Though it is not fully an emotion, there's something about understanding. You see, understanding in this emotional competition of the soul, understanding, it always seems to win out. Understanding inside of you has been winning for a long time. Understanding has been a champion inside of you for a long time because what ends up happening inside of you is that when something has happened this year, you spend all your trying time to understand. And you enter into why mode. You think to yourself, why did it happen? Why did they say that to me? You know, why, why did they go there? Why would they even put me in that position? Why? Why would all those people end up doing that to me? Why? Why did I get that diagnosis? Why did they put me in that position? Why? And why saturates our minds and our hearts? We spend all our time trying to figure out what happened. And then, after we hit why mode, we hit what did I do mode. And now, all I can think about is, I could have done this, and I could have done that. Oh, I should have done this, and I should have done that. And inside of us, understanding tends to win. Because all we do is we find ourselves, finding ourselves, trying to figure things out inside of us. Why did it have this happen? And if you look here in the text, amongst grief and anger, resentment, bitterness, desire to understand, it always wins. It always wins. That's what keeps you up trying to understand. And what he says here is peace, the kind of peace that God offers, is radically different. And so there they are in the Seoul Olympics. They're all there, the starting blocks. Bitterness, resentment, anger, and old understanding. Old understanding sitting there knowing I'm about to win. I dust all of y'all. And then peace comes in. Peace pulls up to the starting block. Understanding looks over and goes, are you, you peace of this world, right? And this is the peace of God. He goes, no, nah, that's not me. <laughs> I'm totally different. They get down in the starting block. And all of a sudden, here they go. Boom. Bitterness, resentment, anger. It all starts to rage, and you see them running inside your soul. But then there's old understanding. He kicks into Y mode, and he starts dusting everybody. And then all of a sudden, he kicks into 
what did I do mode? And all of a sudden, he's leaving people in the dust. But peace, the peace of God, what the peace of God does is when you begin to pray, you activate something totally different. Because when you activate the peace of God and you start praying specifically, you start naming people, yo, peace is like, I got this. Peace starts booking. You remember that word booking? Peace starts moving. <laughs> then all of a sudden, peace be like right next to understanding like, what's up? What's up? And they're moving right side by side. And then you add some thanksgiving to that thing. And watch this. You know when you hit that kick, that kick like, bow, like, Peace kicks in, and you add some supplication and some thanksgiving, and you hit peace mode, and you start going and flowing. What happens is peace surpasses understanding, and it wins in your heart. And the reason why it wins is because all of those emotions are still going to be there. The question is, who is the dominant emotion? What is the dominant presence and you access the presence of God and the peace of God through prayer when you ask specifically and you thank God and the transcendent power and peace of God comes down in your life. Prayer activates peace so that it would outpace your other emotions. That's the only way when you have a prayer life that is just unleashed and Jesus is speaking into your hearts. He's speaking into the inward parts. Well, that's the peace that he promises, peace within. But lastly, it's peace with others. And this is the kind of peace that oftentimes we don't pray enough for. We want peace with God. We want peace within. But are we the kind of people that have peace with others? Jesus would say in Matthew 5 and 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The ultimate move in your life is that you would experience the peace of God. And then from the peace of God, you would experience peace within. And you would have so much peace within that peace would be produced all throughout your life. And you'd be a peacemaker. You know, if you were known for being a bread maker, you'd have bread all in the crib. You'd have bread at Christmas. You'd have bread at dinner. You'd have bread everywhere. Kids would have bread, all types of bread. And when you came over, everybody know, here comes the bread maker. They got all that good bread. We would expect that you'd have bread everywhere. And if you were a watchmaker, we'd expect all your kids to have watches. Oh, all those watches. Oh, look at that nice watch. And you'd have a watch, and you'd have a big old watch everywhere in your house and on your life. You'd have all these watches so much so that you'd be offering watches. You'd be able to sell watches. You'd be able to show off watches. You'd be an expert in watches because you are a watchmaker. Well, the bread maker has bread and the watchmaker has watches and they have all this to the degree at which they're able to give it to others. And the peacemaker has so much peace flowing inside of them that they're able to offer it to other people and extend it to people. 
And this peace that he speaks of is so powerful and dynamic that he says that when you are a peacemaker, he says you will be called sons of God. Sons of God. When I'm uh, in Mississippi with my family, when they see me, I always have one woman that walks up to me and goes, you know who you favor? You. I see that nose. You, you a Roberson, aren't you? I go, yeah. Say, you Maddie's baby? I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spit you out. Mm-hmm. Look, you look, you look just like, and you JT, you JT's baby, you look like the both of them. Wow. You, you a rope, I can tell you're a Roberson because you look just like him. You, I can tell you're one of his kids because you look like him. And what he says about a peacemaker is that you will be so powerful in your presentation of peace that people will say, these are sons of God. You look like your father. Because the peace that you offer is so transcendent, dynamic. It's so comprehensive. When you come around, you offer peace to people. You make situations better with the peace that you offer. And that kind of peace, it goes without saying that our Christian name has been destroyed by people who have tried to win culture more than be peacemakers. The question I'd ask for you today is, you say, I have peace with God. Amen. You say, I have peace within. Amen. The question is, are you a peacemaker then? Are you the kind of person that when a situation arises, you are the first to help create peace? Or are you the first one to stir up tension? A peacemaker brings the climate down. He does or she does whatever they need to do in order to quench the tension and provide peace. Jesus puts this on display. Paul says it this way in Romans 12 and 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And I'm always blown away where he says, as far as it depends on you. And I love when he says, if possible, because he doesn't presume we can have peace with everybody. Amen. He presumes, did you do all that you could do? And he presumes that if you're a peacemaker, that you would be able to offer peace to the point of sacrifice. To the point of being the person that makes the phone call. Because our peacemaker died for our peace. You'd be the kind of person that you offer that boss kindness in the midst of everyone creating tension. That you would sacrifice being able just to be well spoken of so that you can create peace in an office 
because our peacemaker died for our peace. You would be able to call up an ex-wife or an ex-husband and be kind to them even though they haven't been kind to you. You can quench tension in a family, in a home, at a business, in a church because you offer that kind of peace because our peacemaker died for our peace. He wasn't just kind, he died. And so when you're a peacemaker, you are sacrificial for the basis and for the benefit of other people so that we would all experience your peace. It is with that, this Christmas, my prayer is that you would do your secret Santas and that you would give out great gifts But my prayer is that you'd be relationally generous. Why not offer a little forgiveness this Christmas? Provide peace. Why not offer patience to people so that you might provide peace? And if you say tonight, I ain't got it in me. I ain't got it to give. That's okay. That's all right. Then what you're acknowledging is that you're not at the place right now where you've experienced the peace of God or peace within, where you can see peace transform your life and the life of others as being a peacemaker. That's okay. But my prayer tonight is that that would be your desire because the peace that the angels sung about That peace, that peace was the kind of peace that would flow through your life and flow through you to people. Not just your peace, but peace in a home, peace in relationships. As you walk into a place, you ever met somebody that's comfortable with themselves? They're just okay inside. They have peace. If you've met someone like that, they seem secure. Haven't you kind of looked over at them and go, what they got, what you got? And like my daughter Leah, really what you're saying is, can I have a piece? Can I have a piece of what you have? And really what they want is the whole thing. They want all the peace that you experience. They want the peace with God. They want the peace within. And they want the peace with others. And if you are just fighting for social justice, praise God, but you don't have peace within, then you only have a piece of the peace that God offers. If you're this person that you just know Christ died for your sins and you love him and you weep and you just look at your sin and you cry over it, that's awesome. But you've not made peace with your past. You've not accepted what he's done for you fully. Then you don't have peace within. You only have a peace of the full peace that God offers. And tonight, the peace that the angels sung about, that peace was transformative. It was comprehensive. It was multidimensional. And it was so big that 
you would feel the peace of God working all throughout your life with God, within, and with others. And I pray that as, you, as we end out this year, 2021, it was wild. Who knows what 2022 will be like? But he offers you a peace that transcends the next year or the next circumstance. And I pray that you would experience that transcendent peace, the peace that the angels sang about. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your ways. We pray, Heavenly Father, that tonight, as we experience this Christmas, we pray, Jesus, that you would remind us that your peace is different, that there are counterfeit peace out there. There are all types of ways that we are experiencing this world. But God, we pray that your peace would win. And all types of things happen inside of us. We pray that your peace, your peace would win out. We pray that our prayer lives would be indications that your peace is more powerful than anything else happening inside of us. God, we love you tonight. And we pray, God, that as we submit our lives to you, that we would experience more of you. In Christ's name, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.